Pressure is rising and mounting. Inflation has been at a 40-year high. Obscene amounts of the dangerous drug fentanyl has come into the country, having killed thousands of people and counting. Bullying in schools has been an issue far more than it ever has been, leading to great fear, anxiety, depression, and lower academic achievement. And then there is so much illegal activity, generally speaking, that gets treated indifferently, while those oftentimes looking to do the right thing have to go through an undesirable, strenuous process in the hopes of reaching their goal. On today's Keeping It Real, we are going to be talking about pressure and the way to handle it. Pressure has come for all of us, one way or another, to one degree or another. So why not stay tuned to today's episode entitled Handling the Pressure Cooker. Welcome to the Keeping It Real podcast. Only tired of fake stuff? Shouldn't we turn down a stale brand of living? It's time to open our hearts to Christ. It's time to keep it real. Here's your host, Ollie G. All right, and welcome to another edition of Keeping It Real. I'm your humble host, Ollie G, and thanks so much again for tuning in to another episode, the 10th episode of the Keeping It Real podcast. Today, it's handling the pressure cooker. And we've experienced this all the more here as of late. Um, it's we have entered into some unprecedented times or at least times that we are not used to being in economic pressures. Inflation has hit uh, most people um, to a pretty great degree. We've experienced it with rising costs for heating oil or gas at the gas pump or the cost of food in the grocery stores. But we've also seen it if we have money invested in a 401k or other investments in the stock market, we have seen those by and large take a hit. And then, of course, we've just seen, generally speaking, the cost of goods having gone up, whether if you've gone to purchase a car or looking to go on vacation or just even, even eating out at a restaurant, all of those things have uh, cost us more than it has before and not by a little bit. Uh, these have gone up in rather large percentages. Why? Because the cost of goods has gone up. And so it hits, uh, it trickles down to the consumer and hits all of us. Well, not only has pressure been magnified because of how things have gone economically, but pressure has also risen or the pressure cooker has, pot has been stirred all the more because of social or moral uh, deficiencies, social or moral pressures. And we see this and how there has been a real decaying of uh, moral standards. Uh, we generally have had a society now for quite some time that has not been interested in God, has wanted to kick God out of everything, um, and is not welcoming, not uh, really uh, sensitive to even those things that are would be considered of God or godly principles. So we have a society that is void of moral fiber. We have a society that doesn't have a moral compass or not much of one because God has been wanting, people have wanted to exterminate God out of our culture. And we have seen that with the effects of our decaying culture. Usually in days gone by, we would be able to see people being there for one another. There was a great sense of community. People may not have necessarily been Christians, but there was at least a respect for people who were Christians, or there was a respect for 
at least the quote unquote golden rule or doing the right thing. Now it has become a very me centered society. People are living for themselves, whatever satisfies themselves, gratifies themselves. That's where we see them hanging out at. Uh, that's what we see uh, how so many people are all about. It is about what is in it for them. How can they look good in a particular situation? What can they get out of a situation or get out of this life? It has become a very me-centered culture that feasts off of the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life as it's laid out in the book of first john of the bible so we have pressure that's been building the pressure cooker pot has been boiling and running over and how do we handle it well rightly handling the daily pressure cooker of life requires divine living that is having a growing and deeper relationship with god now, notice how I emphasized having a growing and deeper relationship with God. So in other words, just having a relationship with God that is not on fire for the Lord, that is lukewarm, that is weak, that is soft, will not really be able to handle the pressure cooker very well. Rightly handling the daily pressure cooker of life requires divine living. And we will get more on that or cover more about that as we roll along here in this episode of Handling the Daily Pressure Cooker. Our verse or passage that we're going to operate from today is found in Jeremiah. The book of Jeremiah in the Bible. Jeremiah was a prophet, major prophet. He preached to five kings. He spoke the truth of God's word for over four decades to the nation of Israel. So he was around a long time. And a lot of people got to know him know what his deal was, know how he rolled. He was a very well-known individual. And not only was he a very well-known individual because he was a preacher or because he was a prophet and he didn't you know, blow snow at anybody, he was very bold and courageous in preaching the word of God. But it wasn't just that. It was he was the one of the only ones. He really stood out like a sore thumb, so to speak, to use that uh, adage that has been so popularized here in recent times. Jeremiah 37, verse 17 says, Then Zedekiah, the king, sent and took him out, that is Jeremiah. The king asked him secretly in his house and said, Is there any word from the Lord? And Jeremiah said, There is. Then he said, You shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. So, Let's give a little bit of a background quick so that we understand the context of that verse a little bit better. And again, that's found in Jeremiah 37, 17, if you want to follow along. Jeremiah has been preaching for quite some time, and Zedekiah is now the fifth king. This is getting to be uh, later in Jeremiah's ministry, in fact, very late. And Zedekiah was the fifth king that he has ministered to and preached the truth of God's word to, um, not just the king, but all the people. So the people of Israel have heard the message of God flowing and filtering through Jeremiah for a long time. Okay, 40 years is a long time. I'm 47 years old, so it's a pretty long time. And so this isn't this wasn't anything new under the sun. This wasn't anything fresh. This was something that the people have heard repeatedly. 
And Zedekiah knew of this. He had been ministered to a number of times before this instance that I just read about. And Zedekiah also had a history, okay? There was a history of Jeremiah's prophecies. It was very well known. So when we want to consider on how to handle the pressure cooker, because there's a big time instance or a magnification of pressure that is coming for Israel. Actually, it has been in the pot for quite some time, but now we are at the verge of the pot boiling over. It's like you're boiling water on the stove and it's getting so hot and now it's ready to come uh, to, to, over the edge. If you don't turn it down, water's going to fly everywhere and, and and get all over the place. That is where we were at. We where we are at concerning the nation of Israel. The pressure cooker is about to boil over. Zedekiah doesn't see it. He doesn't get it. And so Jeremiah speaks to him again, and only upon invitation. Now Jeremiah had been speak. He had spoken many, many times before. Again, the four kings prior to Zedekiah had gotten the richness of Jeremiah's uh, preaching and the truth of God's word as God would have it be made known to the people in and through his vessel, Jeremiah. So as I've emphasized, rightly handling the daily pressure cooker requires divine living. And the only way how to live a brand of divine life is, first of all, one has to know God personally. They have to know the Lord personally through having accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and having received him for the forgiveness of sins. There's no other way to know God. Okay, We can't dream of knowing God. You can't work up a, a huge effort to get to know God. There is no other avenue, no other person that has um, paid the price for our, our salvation like Jesus Christ has. And Jesus Christ is the only one who was able to do that, and he did do that. That's why he is the Savior, the Redeemer, the King, the Master, the Prince of Peace, the coming Lord of Lord and King of, King of Kings. So divine life is what is necessary, and it requires a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Outside of knowing Christ, it's not possible. It's impossible. So divine life will produce two things. One is it will produce wise direction. If you and I know the Lord as our Savior, and we are seeking to have a growing, deeper relationship with the Lord, divine life will produce two things. If we really want to live for his kingdom and we are all about following the Lord, it will produce wise direction. Again, Jeremiah had been prophesying for a long time. Zedekiah was unwise in his actions. To build a framework for the verse that I, the passage I just read for everybody from Jeremiah 37, 17, to build a framework, Zedekiah, instead of looking to the Lord, instead of referring back to the messages that Jeremiah had given in prior years, prior decades, he didn't do any of that. He went to Egypt and he sought help from the Egyptians, bearing in mind that Egypt has been or was an arch nemesis of Israel. Remember, the Israelites were held captive in Egypt many years prior for a very long time. Egypt worshipped false gods, idols. They worshipped Dagon and other statues and images that were not the true God and 
were false gods and to it is a part of an ungodly culture to worship idols. It is part of an ungodly culture to worship gods that will just look to benefit uh, that people group or that society instead of being selfless and humble and worshiping and lifting up the name of Jesus, who is the ultimate ruler and king. So Zedekiah goes to Egypt seeking out their help. I mean, that's ridiculous. That would be like me going to, a, if I'm in a, in a very pressure cooker type situation, first of all, I should be going to the Lord. Jesus is my all and in all. I ought to be rooted in Christ, as it says in the book of Colossians. But if I am going to go to a friend or someone that I want to maybe receive counsel from or advice from or maybe somebody to pray with, it ought to be another Christian. It ought to be a brother or sister in Christ. Zedekiah is going to a culture that's worshiping false gods. Very unwise. So this is clear evidence that Zedekiah did not know the Lord. So divine life will produce wise direction. Zedekiah was very unwise. Jeremiah, on the other hand, is very wise. He always preached the word of God with boldness and without compromise. How are the growing cultural crises devouring our people of today? Well, we see it. We have perhaps never, never seen in American culture, maybe since the Civil War, maybe not ever, I don't know. We have never seen more panic, fear, anger, sorrow, or confusion. Now, there's not a war going on right now. The Civil War was definitely a huge deal, and I wasn't around at that time, and neither is anybody listening to this. At least I would certainly, of course, think not. But how... There is a growing cultural crisis going on right now. At least at the Civil War, there was a great emphasis of God. Now, somehow God got lost in the middle of you know, the Confederacy and the Union soldiers and, and the leadership of both sides and the 13 colonies. Somehow God was lost in the middle of the, the, the fight over territory and the fight over honor, we'll say. But since that time, never have we seen a, go a growing cultural crisis like of today. And listen, folks, I deal with it almost on a daily basis. Uh, I'm a credit manager for a living. Many of you out there, if you have a customer service-oriented job or you deal with a number of people uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, you hear it. You're exposed to it. You, you are soaking it in, not necessarily always willingly, but you, you are absorbing, you are taking in how the pressure cooker has been mounting. People do not know how they are going to pay for things. People are scared to death over their financial situations because they're living paycheck to paycheck or they are on social security or on a fixed income and they have no idea how they're gonna make it through this winter having to pay for oil heat. People are growing in anger, losses that, are, that so many people are experiencing in monies that they have had invested. They are watching money that their hard-earned money disappear. So that's again on the economic front. How about the social or moral crisis? I mean, our kids are going to school. So many of our kids are scared to go to school because of the threat of being bullied. 
We have situations going on in school. Teachers and principals are not able to handle them as they have been in years gone by because there's a fear of getting sued. There are so many instances in which there is, we see a clear lack of God, a lack of his principles, a lack of his statutes, and people are confused. People are filled with sorrow. People are not sure how to roll, how to deal with this, how to handle it. Well, may I suggest to you, if you are listening to this podcast, this episode of Handling the Pressure Cooker, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, there's no way to adequately handle the pressure cooker. The only way is through knowing Jesus Christ personally, because then there's an opportunity for divine life to be produced. And if we hunger and crave a deeper and growing relationship with the Lord, we will receive wise direction based on that divine life. So handling things has to be done in light of God's word and following the leading of his spirit. Jesus said in John chapter 15, I have given you the spirit and he will guide you into all truth without sowing to the spirit, as it says in Galatians, without sowing to the spirit, without giving myself over to the leading of God's spirit in my life, I will have no chance to really even handle the pressure cooker adequately or rightly as a Christian. Divine life produces wise direction. But I have to totally give myself over. I have to be devoted to the Lord in order to receive that wise direction. That's how Jeremiah lived his life. He was devoted to his Lord. Nobody, he did this for over four decades. And very few, if anyone, ever listened to him. Nobody took him seriously. Zedekiah certainly didn't take him seriously. Because look, it's after this verse that I read, he said, is there any word from the Lord? And Jeremiah said, there is. He said, you shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. And Zedekiah didn't take that seriously. Because if I was Zedekiah, A, I would have dropped to my knees in repentance and cried out for God's forgiveness. Or at the very least, if Zedekiah didn't want to get right with God, I'm thinking Zedekiah at least is going to have a plan. He's going to develop some sort of a plan, no matter how foolish it might have been, no matter how off base it might have been, no matter how outside, of course, the will of God it might have been, he would have at least developed a plan, but he didn't do anything. He thought it was far-fetched. He thought there's no way this is going to happen. The Babylonians had already come in and taken a large portion of the nation of Israel captive. They already had them. Zedekiah was so prideful and so full of himself, thinking that because he was the king, there was no way it was going to happen to him. Guess what happened as a result of that action, that attitude? Zedekiah and his kids died and died in a brutal fashion at the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. Jeremiah got to live quite a bit longer. Jeremiah was a lot older than Zedekiah, but God made a way for Jeremiah to get out. So there's the difference. Zedekiah was hunted down like a wild animal, and he was put to death. His kids were put to death in front of him first, and then he was put to death. He was drugged back to Babylon blinded. His eyeballs were gouged out. Not only was that extraordinarily painful, of course, but it was extraordinarily embarrassing that the king, this high and mighty Zedekiah, 
could not even see his own body. He could not even see two inches in front of him. He did not know or could not be really aware of his surroundings unless he could hear a little something, something of what was going on. Divine life produces wise direction. Zedekiah was foolish. Jeremiah was wise. Jeremiah was the one that exhibited uh, divine life because of how devoted he was to his Lord. Well, divine life will not only produce wise direction, it will also produce grace. Again, rightly handling the daily pressure cooker of life requires divine living. Well, divine living will also produce grace. Now, I'm going to read the verse again in Jeremiah 37, 17. Then Zedekiah the king sent and took him out. The king asked him secretly in his house and said, is there any word from the Lord? And Jeremiah said, there is. Then he said, you shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. Now, you might be asking, where is the picture of grace here? Well, I'm going to answer that question with a question. When Zedekiah asked Jeremiah, is there any word of the Lord? Did Jeremiah need to say anything? No. Jeremiah had spoken enough for 40 years. Jeremiah had preached his guts out and nobody ever listened. But Jeremiah still had enough grace in his heart to say there is. Not only did he answer there is, he told Zedekiah what was going to happen. And he said, if you want to live, a good idea would probably be to surrender by this point. I mean, first of all, repentance. Repent first, but then surrender because there's no, there's no hope. There's no shot. All right. Most of the nation is already in captivity. The Babylonians are going to come in through the gate. They're going to, they're going to light this place on fire. It's going to be all, it's going to be all she wrote. It's all over in just a matter of time and not a whole lot of time. So Zedekiah actually was very gracious in answering the king's question. Because this isn't 40 years ago. This isn't like the beginning signs of, hey, the nation of Israel's been, by the way, the nation of Israel's taken captive because their culture was an absolute mess, chaotic. No more sense of godliness, no more sense of worshiping Jehovah God, Yahweh, who led them out of Egypt into the promised land and 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 blessed them abundantly, and they were set apart to be God's chosen people and and, and and no 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 more devotion to God. I mean, they set up idols all over the place. They look just like the other nations, maybe even worse. But Zedekiah, Zedekiah had given so much. He had given so much perspective and so much of his time, and yet he still has it in him to respond to Zedekiah and to let him know what's going to happen. He didn't have to do that. He didn't need to go there. He could have just been like, you got to be kidding me. You're asking me now. <laughs> has there been a word from the Lord? Like, you're really interested in the Lord anyway? Like, I'm thinking in my prideful moments, and I've had quite a few of them, uh, ash ashamedly I say that, I, in a prideful moment, I'd have been thinking, you're, you're kidding me, right? <laughs> like, no way. Like, I don't have time for this. You, uh, If you don't know by now, or if you don't know better, there's no hope. But Jeremiah humbles himself and says, yes, there is a word from the Lord, and here it is. We're all going to be taken captive, and if you don't, if you don't submit, here's likely what's going to happen. So he says, you, you know, the Babylonians are coming. There is a moral crisis 
and the treatment of God has not been good. Now I'm switching gears now talking about the United States of America. And I mean, pretty much for the rest of the world for that matter as well. But the U.S. is in a time of turmoil. Now, many people may not see it, may not get it. I mean, I know I've mentioned some things here from the jump in this episode of the podcast. But we have a cultural crisis in our nation right now. And it's not just because things cost a lot more or people are losing money or people are not able to find the jobs they want or because there is a growing disunity just even amongst our communities. We have a real problem because there is a voidance of God. There has to be an emphasis and we have to re-emphasize that the rope of grace that is God's grace has been very long. I'm amazed at how gracious God has been to us. I'm amazed that God hasn't swallowed this whole thing up yet. When we consider how there has been a tremendous decline, decline in our culture from moral standards, but not even so much that, what where the rubber really meets the road is people who name the name of Christ and what they tolerate, what they have allowed into their lives. There's such a lack of sensitivity for the Lord. I mean, the church at Corinth, which was a very carnal church, there were carnal Christians all throughout that town. That place looks really holy uh, compared, I think, to our culture of today. I mean, people almost laugh and turn their nose up at what is what would be considered of integrity. What would could what would be considered honorable? People don't want it anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's just gone. It, we are getting to be more and more of a free for all. And for us who know Christ, it's got to be so. I mean, that is wicked. It's got to be so polar opposite of that. It's got the picture's got to look totally different than that. The same grace that saved us is the same grace that ought to be sanctifying us. Sanctification meaning being set apart. Jeremiah was set apart. And yeah, he might have been in it alone, but the whole nation was taken captive. He was not. God gave him a way out. He was able to look back at Jerusalem and watch it go up in smoke and how it must have burdened his heart, how it must have devastated him. But God gave him a way out. God sustained him. God was with him. God blessed him. And there's the testimony of his word to prove it and back it up. And the whole nation of Israel had to live in Babylon, which was not a pretty place to be. Being slaves in Egypt many, many, many years, generations prior was a cakewalk compared to being under the rule of Nebuchadnezzar. And that is what I fear will happen to America. Because the people of God have shut down. It doesn't matter how many times we've been able to check the boxes of church attendance or having devotions or praying before meals or doing something nice for someone else. Are we devoted to the kingdom of God? Is it what the thing that wakes us up in the morning? Is that what makes us go? Is that what captivates us? Is that what energizes us? Is that what we are all about? Is that 
what our identity lies in. Is it about God? Is it about Jesus Christ in his kingdom wanting to advance the kingdom of God by knowing his word, not being biblically illiterate, by being a monster in prayer, being a prayer warrior, being devoted in prayer, not being a soft prayer where it just kind of happens every now and again, where we want to let our light shine like a city set upon a hill and not hidden under a bushel where we are shamed to even mention Christ, or we are ashamed to live out the Christian life by being upright. God says he will withhold no good thing from those that walk uprightly, Psalm 84, 11. Why is the church absent when it comes to all of these things? We have blended in with the world. We have blended in with a worldly kingdom, and it is devastating to the cause of Christ. And that's why there has been no movement of God, because his people have been mute. His people have compromised their lifestyle. His people haven't sought to live for God's kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all the other things will be added to you. We have not been about that. The same grace that saved us is the same grace that ought to be sanctifying us, setting us apart like a Jeremiah. Or like the Apostle Paul, that's why he was able to say, I delight in my difficulties and in my hardships and in my infirmities and in my difficulties, because when I am weak, then he is strong, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Divine life ought to produce wise direction and it ought to produce grace. It ought to produce these things. But unless we know Jesus Christ as our Savior, and unless we want that growing and deeper relationship with him, it ain't going to happen. Rightly handling the daily pressure cooker requires divine life. It requires that life of Jesus working in and through us, his spirit working in and through us. The temperature of the pressure cooker is rising. What's the answer? What's your way of handling it? How, how have you been handling it? I mean, do we just complain? Do we grope and moan? Do we sulk? Do we uh, do we hide? Just continue to be indifferent? Do we be, try to ignore it? Are we ignorant? Or are we belligerent? How do we handle it? There is a call to living out divine life. There is a call, and God has issued it. Are we willing to answer it? Because divine life will produce wise direction and grace. But unless we give ourselves over to wanting a growing and deeper relationship with God, the call will pass us by. I encourage you, dear listener, to answer the call. And I challenge myself to answer the call all the more. If you enjoyed this episode of Keeping It Real, I certainly greatly encourage you to subscribe to the podcast if you've not done so already. And if you haven't shared it with your friends, please do so. Share it with them. Enter into discussion groups. Uh, make it a conversation over the phone. Make it a conversation at the dinner table. Make it a conversation um, maybe before you go to bed at night or as soon as we get up in the morning, maybe around the breakfast table. May it be a topic of conversation and not so much uh, just it being keeping it real or this podcast, but talk about God. Talk about what has been emphasized in this podcast. There's been a rhythm to it and... Let's all look to apply the principles that have been emphasized in this podcast. In the meantime, look forward to catching you next time.